Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 25 of the Access VFX podcast. In this episode, we speak to Declan Cassidy, the co-founder of Intergames, the UK's largest non-profit dedicated to providing better career pathways into the games industry. We had such a great conversation around inclusion, squiggly career paths, event management, the music industry, growth versus fixed mindsets, apprenticeships, and our mutual shared experiences of running industry non-profits. This is a big episode, so I'm going to keep it short here. So stop what you're doing and please enjoy episode 25 of the Access VFX podcast with Declan Cassidy. Hello, it's me, Simon, and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 25. In this episode, we're opening the vault for a very special guest, an entrepreneur in the games industry who has community, opportunity and support at his very core. Whether launching performing art spaces, running startups that offer programs that inspire kids from primary school ages and upwards, he's been involved in groundbreaking work experience programs, schemes that develop creativity in young people and lots of impactful and important work in education, creative events, tech and employer engagement. Currently co-founder, chief executive and doing good stuff at Intergames, the UK's largest non-profit dedicated to providing better career pathways into the games industry with inclusion and diversity at its heart. Also, I should say a GI 100 game changer, that's games industry for the uneducated and all round lovely human being. It's the wonderful, it's only Declan Cassidy. How's it going, Declan? Oh, man, it's great to be here. Yeah, no, good. Really good, actually. Um, uh, it's, it's just lovely to have a conversation. We haven't spoken for quite a long time, but um, I I remember you, very early on in the Intergames kind of mm. history, you were, you, were, you, were, you were one of the people I, I first talked to, really, about um, whether this was a good idea to set up Intergames and what we should do and how that should work. And we just copied loads of stuff that Access VFX did and it kind of well, worked. Uh... <laughs> so you were, you were my inspiration. You know, you were one of the, one of the, one of the main people. So uh, it's really nice to, to come full circle and, and be back on this, you know, on this podcast to talk about what happened since, you know, and all of the, the journeys and stuff since that that first conversation. God, I don't know. Like that was a long time ago. Because the last time we spoke, I remember yeah. us sitting, it was when I was at the mill and we were sitting on that lovely sunny deck and we were talking about world domination and co-led events and lots of good stuff, drinking drinking nice artisan coffee. And, uh, and then two and a half years has passed. And then pre that, because uh, it's very kind of you to say that, you know, all those lovely words you just did. But uh, I, rem- I can't remember who connected us, but I remember looking at what you were doing and I just saw like a, a kindred spirit because you were kind of doing in many ways exactly what we were trying to do in visual effects and animation which was just creating a level playing field for talent coming into industry and we've had so many conversations about doing a intergames access VFX event and still could happen you know this is not 
the, the, yeah. the, the gate is not yeah. shut on that um, that plan. Absolutely, but it not. was uh, it was always no, it was all, we always had, we always had great conversations and. Um, those who listen to the, the, the Dale Walker episode know that we've not done enough uh, enough podcast content or any content on games specifically. And we don't have a huge amount of games members, but we do stand for games as part of the, the Access VFX community. And it just makes sense to, not that you need, as like I said in our preamble earlier, Declan, you don't necessarily need lots of uh, cheerleading because uh, you guys have a, such a strong brand and are doing incredible work. But if, you know, if anything we can do via the podcast to get into games out there, because we have so many conversations with people who want to get in, literally into games at all of our Axis VFX events. Why not bring uh, Mecca to the mountain and bring Declan Cassidy to the podcast to talk about? Oh, yeah, awesome absolutely. Work. Absolutely. Because I, I, I don't even think we were called at our first meeting. I don't even know if we were even called into games. I think our original name before we turned into games was Playing yeah. Field. And and then we and then we changed into games. So it might we might even have had different names that far okay. that far ago. Um, but uh, it was it was it was it was the right move. I feel because people just naturally say the name of our organisation without meaning to. Yeah. A lot of the time when they're talking about people getting into games. So yeah, it worked, it worked out. But yeah, just lo- lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to to bending your ear. About Absolutely. So we have the. The vault door still closed currently. We haven't opened it yet and we get stuck into the vault questions. But we do like to have a little bit of a chat about what you're up to at the moment. And uh, I'm always interested uh, to see what what you've got coming up. And uh, there seems to be a lot of activity coming through into games at the moment. I mean, I'm often on uh, LinkedIn, usually doing my uh, podcast guest um, uh, reference uh, <laughs> checks and uh, and research. Um, but I often see a lot of into games events. Uh, you know, you've obviously got your, the mentoring program going, great guns as well. I mean, what's uh, what's on the slate for for this year and going into next, Declan? So, into games works really holistically, and that was a decision that we made very early on when we tried to do. Uh, one program and as soon as you do one program um, working with a particular group of people um, at a particular age group you, you kind of open the can of worms at that point and you realize that you know we could do a, a, a kind of career support program for people coming out of college let's say you know who are looking for some advice on the next step of their journey into the sector but then you realize that there isn't any opportunities for them in the sector and then you go okay right <laughs> so we need to go and do some work there as well right and then you look at the people that you are doing that program with and you go, wait a second, these these people could be from more diverse backgrounds, right? And you're like, oh, okay, so we need to go back as well and do some mm. more work at the yeah. school level. And, and before you know it, you're you're just doing work at absolutely every single part of the um, of the, the the career journey from from start to finish. And um, I think personally, I'm 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 very magpie-ish anyway. You know, so I, I end up going to the shiny thing a lot of the time, and and um, I'm very used to spinning lots of plates. Um, you know, just just throughout my yeah. whole career up to this point, and I I, I think I've um, I've just just recently go through the process of having a um, uh, an ADD diagnosis. Okay. So I, things are suddenly starting to make yeah. sense a little bit around a lot of that work. But e- even if that's not the case, and I don't get diagnosed with that, there's I've always been someone that kind of just enjoys a little bit of the chaos mm. of lots of things going on. And and I think certainly in you know this particular example of Inter Games, as I say, it was something that was needed because you know strangely it, it, the, the the game sector you know very much like VFX was so was so yeah. quite new to a certain extent um and a lot of the support mechanisms that were in other sectors weren't there for games and, and i saw that as a very exciting place to be um and there was 
but but with that comes lots and lots yeah. of work. So um, you know we do um, after school clubs at secondary level, and we're we're kind of rolling that out. Uh, across the country over the next year so we've got um, a couple of big pilots happening at the moment and then hopefully the end of 2023 we'll have 100 after school clubs set up across the country Um, that's in partnership with a few different organizations but those after school clubs are are in specifically schools with in areas of low income or with schools that have high instances of free school meals or girls schools so you know really you know super targeting um, those that maybe haven't even you know, thought about the game sector as something that they could possibly have a job in one day. So it's 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 dispelling those myths as early as possible. Um, and then we do um, virtual work experience programs at kind of college and university level. That's another big problem. The, the games industry is just possible to get work experience in um, for a whole bunch of different reasons that we, we could yeah. probably talk about um, later on in the in the podcast. But um, you know, so we so we we just that was that was spurred on a little bit by the pandemic. And you know, I, hmm. I want to say that. I don't want to say the pandemic, the pandemic was awful, but it was quite good for us as an organization because I mean, everything had to be done online suddenly. And I think we grew a lot during the pandemic mm-hmm. um, being a remote first organization. So we, we, you know, it really forced us to think about creative ways of supporting people into careers and games remotely, which kind of pushed us down that virtual work experience yeah. route um, quite early on. And we, and we got some good funding to develop that work. And now that's a, that's a kind of uh, a major part of a lot of college and universities curriculum going forward. Um, and then we do uh, work uh, around kind of boot camps and, and supporting people with kind of fast track learning into um, early stage game roles or into internships. Um, we do advocacy work around apprenticeships. So um, we're, we've been really supporting the rollout of uh, the, the games program apprenticeship, running some boot camps around the community manager apprenticeship mm-hmm. as well. So there's, we can talk about apprenticeships yeah. as well later specifically, if, if that's interesting at all. But um and then we do stuff in studio. So we support people who work in the game sector to develop their personal skills around mentorship and um, becoming a good educator um, and, and going back to colleges and schools and volunteering their time to inspire students or, or, or to you know work specifically one to one with um, uh, certain people who are looking to get a, a career at the right stage and for that particular mm-hmm. person um, to support the works. So it's quite cyclical yeah. in that sense. You know, it goes around. Cyclical, so yeah. It's not we can make yeah, the words. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. it's one of that. It's that word. <laughs> cyclical. That's the word. That's the one. Yeah. Um, you know, cyclical. Yeah, cyclical. That's the one. Yeah. Um, so you know, so we we kind of you know we we train industry professionals, and, and and we're getting to the point now where we've been around long enough where people we've supported in this in the sector early on in their career, so you know through education, and and, and you know they've come out and they've got a job, and now part of those educational training programs now going back into schools to support more people into the sector, and that was something that I I, I always was really looking forward mm. to seeing happen that we could kind of see that, that cycle over and time as we go forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and I think from, um, also we run something called the video games ambassador mm. program, which um, we run with UK. Um, and that, uh, that, that's a, a kind of a digital platform, I guess, that helps schools and colleges connect directly with industry professionals and industry professionals to kind of view opportunities to talk or to, you know, do mentorship yeah. or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, that program is is that's I mean that's that's supported thirty thousand young people last year to get an inspiring moment with an industry professional, whether that was an assembly or or, or anything else. And you know we 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 can see so much benefit from that. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's it's you know it's it's you have to work across all these different areas to kind yeah. of 
see the long-term benefit. And I think from our side, you know, spending more time with, you know, a hundred people to get them hired is probably the, the, the next step for us. Like we've, we've done quite a lot of large infrastructure projects, I guess, in a way over the last four years. So like the, the video games yeah, ambassadors big, or the virtual yeah. work experience or biggest schools. But actually I think we're now like, okay, we've, you know, people can access what we do across a range of different areas for free quite easily, but actually, you know, let's now focus on getting 100 people yeah. hired. And we, we, we've definitely got lots of people hired in the past, but I think that we're a small organization with smaller resources and, you know, I think it's it's now getting to the point where you know, we really need to say, look, um, we you know put our put our flag in the ground and say, look, we're supporting those from low income backgrounds. That's that's where what that's that's what needs to happen. That's the place that the most work needs to, to, to happen. Um, and, and those people need deep support. Yeah. They need bursary funding. They need um, you know really one you know solid one to one mentorship. Um, that's that 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 can be checked every month, you know, to make sure they're going for a process. They need to be doing mock interviews. They need to they need they need lots of support. And um, doing that work with low income is um, it doesn't happen very much because yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. the hard bit, you know. Um, and um, and so we're really shifting everything towards that over certainly in the next couple mm-hmm. of years of, of of what we're doing. And, and and each of our projects now has KPIs around supporting those from low income. So that's the big shift. I guess that's going to be coming up um, and, and is happening right at the moment in terms of what we're doing. That's so that was a big a answer, answer actually. It's probably quite it represents a real question. evolution in the work, doesn't it? Because <laughs> like you say, you've got to start with the, the big programs, the mentoring programs, the video game ambassadors, the stuff that kind of you can connect people to en masse. And it's similar to the Access VFX mentoring program. It, it happens, it's out there, it's taking kind of care of itself. But I love that you kind of, it's, it's getting mm-hmm. to a point where you're kind of distilling down, right, who needs that support now particularly as you say kind of uh, areas of kind of you know low income low home ownership you know you know i think it's 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 really powerful and i think that's a great a great answer i mean there's a lot in there i mean how big is your team declan how 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 many people deliver this so there's yeah so there's uh seven of us now so you know it's um we're you know we're, we're i think we, we were we were a bit more but we've actually kind of slimmed down a little bit um uh because for various reasons the games industry keeps on stealing our staff oh. simon this is the problem. This is the problem of working into games. For, I mean, exactly. it's, it's, well, it's not a problem. It's a great thing, but they all just keep on stealing our people. Like whenever we, name we you shame know, you know, just, on the podcast. I've got no rules on this. Uh, this vehicle. Uh, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> want to name. I don't want to name any PlayStation. Creative assembly. Keep it clean. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't. I, you know, it's lovely to see our staff yeah. go on to things that they want to go on to. So it's always lovely to see. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, there's the, we, I think we're we're in a really nice position now. We've got a great team. Um, everybody's everybody really knows what they're doing. We're all very clear about the mission mm-hmm. and goals of the organisation. And um, you know, yeah, we're, we're we're powering on through. But I mean, it's a, it's a long way from kind of me and a credit card, you know, um, kind of doing, doing everything as a little bit of a bit of a kind of sideline and just keeping my fingers crossed that it was the the right thing to do. But, um, I, I think that the, the need was always there and, and pretty much every job I've ever had has in some way, um, been about impacting people in a positive yeah. way. And, um, and, and also, you know, having hopefully quite a good time doing it as well, you know, and, and, and certainly into games has, has given me those things and has also been incredibly stressful. It doesn't course, come without but, that, um, does it? There's you know, a lot of reward, uh, yeah, isn't it? Nah, nah, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. It's very, it's very rewarding. And I think actually the, the shift to focusing on individuals is a little bit um, because of 
the fact that I think previously we weren't getting to see the outcomes enough of what we did. Um, and that was so important for the team in terms of, um, you know, just the morale and the, the, the sense of like, we're doing a good job, you know? I mean, you could, I could, you know, I think I said the number early on about the yes, uh, video games ambassadors. I could say, you yeah, know, we, we had 30,000 people supported last year. I mean, great that's metric, great. That's a yeah. brilliant figure. It's a great metric. It's, it's, it's great to put on things and it's a, it's a great marketing metric, but it, um, doesn't mean anything necessarily to, to the, you know, certainly to, to the people that are, that are working on the team. And, and, um, you know, we had a, uh, we were very, very kindly invited to um, uh, take part in running an event for Microsoft a couple of weeks ago um, uh, as part of uh, their Xbox Academy. And they asked us to bring together um, uh, kind of 40 people that have been in some way, you know, benefited by into games, you know, through our various different programs that we've run. And, um, and we invited these 40 people along that had gone on boot camps or taken part in design challenges or got hired through Kickstarter or whatever it was. And it was the first time that I'd actually been in, in you know, in person wow. with this group of people. And it was just the most invigorating, wonderful experience. Um, and, and we want yeah. more of that. Like, you know, the team needs it. I need to, you know, you need to see the output. Such a good point. You know, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, not seeing yeah. the outcome, I mean, I can completely, uh, completely resonates with me. Because we, you, I mean, you'll have, you'll have kind of yeah. anecdotal conversations, right? People will come up to you at an event or on an online event and go, oh, Declan, thank you. You know, I connected with you four years ago. I'm now working at X studio. But that just happens completely at random. And just actually creating a vehicle where you, you target a group of people where you actually get to see the impact in real time because yeah with all of these programs you just assume the good work's getting done there's not there's, there's there's something to take from that i mean it's amazing you know what the work that, that takes place but i, I completely hear you I, I completely sympathize with not seeing the impact you just assume the work's getting done and that's just not enough is it when it comes Absolutely. to measurements and the actual impact you have <clears throat> no no not yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so. And I, and I think, and I, yeah, I think, I think more than that, it's not enough for your soul, you know, like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, running an impactful organization because yeah, I'm getting exactly. paid loads of money, you know, um, you do it for other reasons, you know, you, you do it because you want to, you know, make a better sector, you want to make a positive effect on, on, yeah. on the world in some small way. And if you don't see that positive effect, and you're not getting paid very much. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, that, that, uh, that yeah. breeds another kind of, um, another kind mm-hmm. of feeling. And, um, and, and I think, you know, that's, you, you, you want more of the, the positive side, right. And also to know that you're doing a good job. I think that's the other thing, just the, the, the solid knowing that you're doing a good job is a, is a really powerful driver, you know, that keeps you going. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, it makes you feel really good. And, and that's a yeah, big reason to do something like that. Excellent. Well, Declan, I'm going to stop there and open the vault doors because, we're already, we've already been talking for 17 minutes and, uh, you know, podcast law says don't go over an hour or nobody's going to listen. So we need to get into it. And it's my fault because I'm, I'm super interested in this conversation. But there's a lot to weave into the vault questions like we do in all of the podcasts. Sure. So it's a bit rusty, the door. We had a summer break. We opened it for uh, our recent guests. So I'm going to put the key in and we're going to open the vault door. It's very heavy. And we're going to ask you the first question, Declan, which is a nice, easy one, which is where in the world are you? And tell us a bit about where you grew up. Um, so uh, at the moment, I'm in Brighton. Um, this is where I live. Uh, I lived here for over 20 years now. Um, I came to, well, I came to university here and then dropped out of university. So, um, but loved the, loved the place and, and the people and decided to stay. Um, but um, my 
original background. So I've, 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 I come from both immigrant parents. So my uh, mum was from Cyprus and she was fleeing the, the war over there. So it was, it was, it was a, there was a, there was a war that not many people know about <laughs> that happened um, uh, about Cyprus uh, you know, a, a while ago. Um, and then um, my dad, who was from Northern Ireland, who was also fleeing yeah, another kind of, of war in a certain, yeah. certain respect. So I was fleeing the troubles. Um, and um, uh, they both came over to, to the UK um, and um, very different backgrounds, but, but got together um, very poor. Um, uh, you know, my dad, super super creative very interesting story to my father I won't go we're already just a little bit in the vault so we'll go too into that that big story there but um uh I was let's say we were were very poor upbringing so we um I spent a a lot of the first one of my first memories are kind of moving from hotel to hotel because we were in social housing so we were waiting for for social housing and then we would get somewhere and then be moved on and yeah. have to go somewhere else so um I, I remember a lot of that and not necessarily bad mm. memories of that but certainly you know quite strong memories um and um uh grew up in london um uh was uh my dad left quite early on so um you know had basically had a, a single parent um from from the age of kind of five upwards wow. um and um yeah you know went to a comprehensive um as i say dropped out of university uh you can kind of see why i'm in what i'm doing yeah. now you know you can you can start charting that that process and it's yeah i think so yeah you know and, and wanting to give people or certainly younger mm. people um uh, a sense of what the possibilities are out uh, are there for them and um you know and to provide alternative routes other than university and to um you know um uh, kind of make your own path yeah. Um, which I think I've had to do uh, for a lot of a lot of my career, um, and you know, and fight, and you know that it kind of makes sense when you're when you, you come from that kind of background. So I can I relate a lot to the people that we are supporting because I come from that background wow. myself. Yeah, no, I, this is what I love about doing this podcast is I never know this stuff about people. We never get into even even just having the conversations we've had over the years. We've never got into that, and I just think it it says so much about you as a human being, Declan, and you know yeah you must have been so how old were you when you, your parents came over to the uk you were five when your, your dad oh so so i was i oh, was right born so here. you were born in the yeah UK. i was born gotcha. here so they, they they came over when they were um so my mum came over when she was uh i think 17 and uh and my dad wow. uh came over at kind of 15 14 or 15 my dad worked okay. fun fairs for, for wow. quite a while um so he was a proper proper yeah, irish yeah. gypsy i think for a, for a bit or you know what you what you what you'd associate that, that with um and then um yeah my mum was living in a in a shed up in north london with her family while while she was doing her doing her version of the gcse's or a levels or whatever yeah. by candlelight yeah this is mad i mean i you know i, I hear these stories and i'm like what nuts, isn't it what are you talking about it says a lot about your resilience <laughs> it's just absolutely insane the work that you, you know? do Declan. so when i did and I, I joke about this on a lot of the podcasts that my my research lives and dies on linkedin really and I've only ever known you as into games or, or the work you do now. I've never really gone through, not, not stalked you on LinkedIn and gone through what's, what's different before. And I kind of expected just to find lots of roles in the games industry. And it is literally a right, a, yeah. uh, a, a parade of, um, you know, startups. A lot of it is about creating opportunity for young people, work experience. It was all in the intro I, I did earlier, you know, work experience programs, creative workshops for young people trying to get into 
get into industry. I mean, it's incredible the work you do. And I think if it's fair, if it shoot me down in flames if I'm wrong, but you know, having that upbringing that you had must have built some resilience to do that kind of work because to have done that your whole career speaks volumes. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. You know, I mean, I would have, I, I would have much preferred, <laughs> you know, a, 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 an easier, easier ride. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, you probably, probably could have done more, but it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I, th- I think, I think you look, you look at, look at all those different things. And um, I've always tried as hard yeah. as I possibly could in every, in every role or for every thing I've, I've, um, I've, tr- I've put my hand to. Um, uh, but I, I think at the same time, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of a pattern in there of me trying lots of different things or maybe me not feeling confident enough in my own ability, you know, because, there's a bit of rejection there from, you know, dad leaving and from not being a bit displaced in, in areas and stuff. So, you know, moving from one role to another or, you know, not really knowing where my place is. And I think I've kind of got, I've got over a lot of that. You know, I think, I think you, you do a lot of that thinking maybe in your late twenties, mid twenties, late twenties, then you hit 30 and, you know, and then you, you know, things kind of, kind of change a little bit. I mean, I've never, I've never been in a better place in terms of my mental health than I am now. Um, you know, and, and if I, you know, if, if I think there's a question about what I'd say to myself as a teenager, yeah, so I'll wait, this I'll, wait to come, <laughs> I'll wait for that question for then. But um, um, yeah, you know, it's um, it's a it's an interesting path, and I've learned a lot. You know, and, I, and I, not coming from games um, mm. gave me a good perspective in this role because I, I didn't come with yeah. any baggage. You know, I didn't come with any preconceived notions about what um, you know what a good um, games career education should look like or what the sector wanted or, you know, or, or any, anything like that at all. I, I, I came very green to everything, which meant I could ask lots of stupid mm. questions. You know, I, I could, I could be really, you know, uh, ignorant at times yeah. and be educated by the industry themselves. And I, I just, I, I, and that, that the games industry was great at that. It was really, I, I kind of, it was, you know, it gave, it was massively yeah. opened armed, I think um, at that stage and, and never, made me feel bad about asking those kind of silly what they probably perceived as quite stupid or silly or obvious questions which you know once again best advice ever (laughs) ask those questions you know um so um so yeah so it it, you know i think it was a good thing that i didn't come from games but um but uh, there is a there is a bit of a narrative you can build up to this point from from that um that you know my previous work but it it certainly isn't you know graduated in yeah, this field got a job path. exactly in that and then but you know who, who you know not many people well, you mean you've, you've talked about you know, squiggly I mean, career paths before haven't you about everywhere I mean, no yeah. i went on a, a, a some weird hr conference years ago and i worked in a more corporate role and some olympian gave this um powerpoint presentation and he said most people think everyone's career is this like diagonal line and there was literally a diagonal line you know from the bottom to the top you know you see successful people and you assume they've just had this cruise to the dizzy heights of success and then they show another slide which is literally just a mess of scribble because we all kind of bounce around and i hear you on the being distracted by shiny things and a great idea and let's do this and let's do that and let's collaborate on this oh my god that's such a great idea yes 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 yeah. and then the reality is a whole lot of work and and your point there around questions i mean you have to come not coming from a i mean even like i, I can i i completely get it you know i've never worked on the box in visual effects you know i can talk about roles in VFX, but i've never worked on a live show you've always worked in kind of support roles so you could bring that healthy dose of curiosity all the time if you don't know the answer you go wait a minute what's that button do what's that button do you know tell me what are you doing there you can look over people's shoulders and have that 
almost childlike wonder about the about the industry you know absolutely absolutely you know um and just try not to assume yeah. anything really like you know every single every single time that i have something hasn't worked or screwed up or like you know just it just hasn't worked out has has usually been down to an assumption you know that, that i've yeah. made um you know just to get something done because that's i think that comes with it sometimes as well you know you, you don't i'm not a details person at all really you know i mean i i i, I kind of have yeah. to be now um you know but I, i'm at heart i'm not really that details fo- focused you know i just want to get and do it and i'm really i'm excitable and i just want to make it happen and like let's just don't worry about that let's just you know and, and i think there's there's a good mix there's a good balance that needs to be there but um but you know i, I mean you know, what's worth quite life worth living Absolutely. in this you're gonna just do it right just get, get on it with done. it and do something yeah do something to make it happen Excellent. yeah okay well, let's move on then uh, thank you for being so candid with your your your, your kind of formative years as well because it's uh it's such it's such an important insight into the work you do Declan so thank you for for that um question two from the vault is the three words that describe you so it's the the worst interview question ever I used to hate getting asked questions like this when I was interviewed but what three words whether it's a three-word sentence a few people have done that in the past or three standalone what do you think they'd be or what are they Oh, I don't know. Um, awkward, <laughs> <laughs> curious, um, and excitable. Let's do that. Those, those, those are probably my my three. I'd say. Excellent. Yeah, and I think we've we've broken down curious in some detail already. Thank you for not saying passionate, because I've <laughs> I've tore down previous guests on uh, dropping the the p word in because um, everybody's got that. You know, there's nothing special about passion. Um, excitable yeah get that i love a healthy dose of awkwardness i mean we're going to talk about imposter syndrome and all that good stuff later and i think that keeps you humble that keeps yeah. you real i yeah. think so yeah i think so yeah man definitely and i think that you know that ha- having that ability to to stay humble is a, is is a good thing i think it, i think the problem is is when you're 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 too humble that you you don't even celebrate yeah. your wins you know um that that's happened that that happened for me for a long time actually i couldn't I couldn't yeah. celebrate wins properly. You know, I just, I, every time something went well, it was like, oh, great. Yeah, yeah it went well. The next yeah, okay. one. Every time something mm. went badly, it was like, oh, I knew it was going to go bad. Oh, God, oh, yeah. Kind of, That's classic you know, growth really versus beat yourself up mindset, about it. it? Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah, right. Bang on. That's it. You know, and um, I, I, I've definitely had my fair share of that. And, and, st- and you know, still, still, it's, oh, the, the battle's ongoing, man. It I think never when stops. you work in the, the um, kind of you know, the game that we work in, I mean, even with the early access VFX stuff that we worked on, we'd always have a kind of rap party if we'd done a big, big event and then I'd be done with it. That's it. We've, we've celebrated it now. What's next? What's next? What's next? Don't rest on your laurels. Yeah. You know, let's not, you know, let's, let's not slap ourselves on the back. You know, we've not won the war yet. You know, it's a long game. And I think when yes. you work, particularly when yeah. you have a focus on inclusion and diversity and leveling the playing field, just because you've run a great event, I'm not going to pop loads of champagne corks and go, yes, we've, uh, we've solved it. You know, because it it won't be solved in my lifetime. <laughs> no, you know, no, not at all. That's it. You know, and, and event, events mm. in particular are funny ones because I did a uh, so I did one, one of those past lives. Um, I uh, I owned a live music oh, venue, course. so I was you know I was um, running um uh, running about two hundred fifty shows a year. Um, and um, you know, you just got that you, you got that with events. You got like the reason I was, I was in events for quite a while. You know, I was in the that sector for quite a while. And, we ran festivals and um, lots of lots of big big stuff, and um, you'd get that hit yeah. from events. But it was it would it would rapidly decline, mm. 
you'd, you'd feel empty eventually. You'd feel great, and then you'd feel really empty afterwards, and then you'd need another Perfect. one, or you'd, you need to carry on going through. And, and events were always like that. They always made me feel eventually, you know, not great. Even if even the ones yeah. that went well, you know, because you're just you're so pumped up, full of um, hormones, yeah. you know, full of it's so light, pumped it's up, full event, of adrenaline and you know, and yeah, serotonin and all this kind of bits, live event, yeah. that feeling, and then it all dissipates when everybody leaves, and you're kind of like, oh, I've got to do the cleaning up. Yeah, thing, yeah, you, you know? clean up the bottles <laughs> and all that. Yeah, I got to put this away, and yeah, so yeah, events were events were a funny ones. So I, do. I actually I lost. So well, the listeners can't see, but I've got some kind of grey oh, yeah. spots on my beard. And these grey spots were where after, so I, I worked in, so I had, when I had the venue and yeah. festival and stuff and had that events company, I'd been working in that for about seven years. And towards the end of that seven year period, there was, it got so stressful. And, um, and this is where my beard actually Whoa, fell out at these points. From stress. So this is where the hair fell out of my beard. From stress. That's your yeah, music industry. Stress. And uh, it's grown back. It's grown back as growing. <laughs> That's my music industry badge of honor. Yeah. Oh Badgy God. Beard. Yeah. Really, really, really intensive yeah. times. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The events thing's interesting. And honestly, I could talk, this might be a two hour episode, but events are great, but they've got to have action, haven't they? And sometimes, yeah, I've been to events where there's a very inspiring panel or inspiring speak and everybody networks and you go home. And I'm sure people kind of make great connections, but it used to bother me so much that we shouldn't just do that. You know, events are great as a big like hurrah and a big, you know, get to make a big splash, but unless that, unless people leave with tools or some tangible stuff that they can use to further their career or get a break, then I almost didn't want to do them. So when we did do the kind of, you know, inspiration porn type events, I used to, you know, I used to feel a bit dirty afterwards. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, oh no, yeah. we shouldn't be doing yeah. this. This isn't access to effects. <laughs> <laughs> We're going down a dark road. We should move on to the next question, shouldn't we? Declan? Move, yes, move, definitely. Move. Yeah. Okay. So, what inspires <laughs> you, Declan? I mean, we've touched on some areas already, but what's the what's the thing that really gets you up in the morning and, and gets you geed? Oh, man, I mean, you know, it's going to be a pretty obvious answer, but it's just it's just the, yeah. the people we work with. You know, it's the young people that we work with, and it's the um, it's not just young people, but you know, career changes as well at a late stage. Um, you know, seeing seeing their work often. I mean, I, t- I tell you what, my so. Um, Obviously, I, I think we'd spoken about how I didn't come from a game industry background. So one of the first things, you know, early stage I, w- I was doing was going on LinkedIn and just adding every single games industry person I could possibly add, which I still do. Like when I don't, um, when, I, when I kind of want to, <laughs> sounds so weird, but when I want to, when I, everything's too much and I've got too much work on and I need a, I need a, like a kind of low end productive mm. job, you know, something that I just yeah. don't have to think about, but I'm kind of just just doing something a little bit productive. I will just spend my time just adding people on LinkedIn and then adding them to the Intergames nice. uh, LinkedIn uh, thing, you know, and I'll, I'll just do that again and again and again and again. And we've got like, you know, over the last like three, four years, we've got thousands and thousands of games of people on there. And now, because I, I'm not on any sort of the social media platform, really. I mean, I've got, I've got a Twitter account, but I don't really use it. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram um kind of a rarity like that um so the, my our yeah. team is very much so but me not so much so so weirdly my favorite social media platform is linkedin which is really probably quite sad but you know i spend so much time on there because i'm yeah. connecting to other industry people and stuff but the feed is just amazing mm. for me now you know like i imagine the yeah. same is with, with yours right? the stuff um, that you, you just engage with isn't it it's just 
it's just incredible. Like there's just this amazing artwork, oh, yeah, yeah. amazing people making stuff, amazing reels of games, amazing mm. VFX reels. And like, it's just this like torrent of incredible work, you know, um, which as you know, back when I was on Facebook, it would be a torrent of people complaining <laughs> yeah, about stuff photos. or a torrent of yeah. baby photos or a torrent. Of, yeah, exactly. Right. All this kind of stuff that I just really wasn't that interested in and would often what, what they call oh, doom yeah, scroll yeah. that's the new word that's what it is isn't it doom scrolling whereas on linkedin now you can scroll and it's just like the most inspiring wonderful things that are happening and um so, so that's really lovely to see you know but but obviously the individual stories of people that have gone through into games program work or are looking for advice and, and mm. help you know you you see their their work's incredible their ethic their ability to um you know, to, to keep on going, you know, because getting a job in games is just so, so hard. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's just really, really inspiring to see. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the game sector as well, I think I mentioned earlier, it kind of welcomed me with open arms. You know, I, I think that the, the, the industry itself, um, once again, very similar to VFX, I think once you get into it, you really want to help other people get into it. And that was that was one of the biggest reasons for setting up into games because we were actually set up into games because of a very small um, arts uh, arts council funded project called playing field, which is where we basically got a bunch of kids um, on free school meals, connected them to some local studios and those studios helped them build some games. And it was a lovely, you know, two weekend project um, and uh, was fantastic, but it was my first uh, interaction with games industry staff. And um, I think that was the point where I was like, God, this, this is amazing. Like you don't get this in many other industries. These people are giving up their yeah. weekends, you know, like high yeah, end yeah. people, you know, from across the disciplines have come in and, and are spending their time with a 12 year old mm. kid that wants to make a game, you know? And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And that hasn't let up in four awesome. years. Like there hasn't really been a single opportunity that we've put out there that hasn't been grasped by somebody and and that person hasn't given it their all and a lot of the people that come in um, from the sector who come and support educational opportunities they're not necessarily like big flashy talky mm-hmm. people like a lot of the time they're actually quite yeah. insular you know it's taken a lot for them to get up and do it um it, it, they, they've, they've really had to kind of gear themselves up for this experience and they give it everything yeah. and they nail it and 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 so seeing those industry staff do that um, is is incredibly inspiring as well. So you know those are the those are the those are the big things that get me up. The the people that we support and the the people that support them. And um, we're the middle yeah. people really. We don't right. really get that involved. But like um you know we we help that situation happen. But just seeing that is 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 incredibly um just You're awesome. Kind of like a conjurer, aren't you, for industry and and that next gen coming up. You know yeah. that's the that's kind of the beauty of it, isn't it? It's a, it's a wonderful thing and. And uh, particularly the uh, community of it, like I found with uh, with the VFX industry as well, like the amount of people that just bite your arm off to mentor folk, to turn up to events, to coach them, to teach, to you know, it, it's it's really I've never seen anything like it. And I worked for a lot of a lot of kind of industry sectors over the years, and that sense of community in VFX animation and games, I think, is second to none. It's it's amazing. So I completely it's amazing. It's because it's so hard yeah, to get into. <laughs> Once you're in, you're like, God, it's got yeah. help. Got yeah, to help exactly. people because bloody hell, that was difficult. It's built on mentorship, you know? isn't it? And that's so, why, yeah. My, yeah, every yeah. every person yeah. in this building here, you know, that I can see out here that that yeah. they've all had a mentor, that somebody, a buddy, or a mentor that's taken them under their wing and, and taught them the craft. And there is a sense that you need to give it back and keep the keep the wheels kind of moving, you know. So I think that's a great answer. 
Definitely. So we've got a few interesting questions coming up now, Declan. We've got my favourite, which is the extraterrestrial. So you get a, a, a odd knock on your door, a, a, a godforsaken hour of the morning, and there's a couple of extraterrestrials there going, hello, Declan Cassidy, tell us what you do for a living. So what do you tell the aliens? So, okay, they can speak English. Let's assume that. Yeah. They're all... Yeah, they're, they're all from Hollywood that. movies, okay, so they all speak okay, kind okay. of like from the 50s. Okay. All right. Um... I mean, it's pretty straightforward, really. We help people get jobs in the games industry. I love it. <laughs> yep. I mean... Assuming the aliens know what the games it. industry is. Really? And then, but then we could be here a long time. Okay, yeah. Okay, let's assume yeah. they know that too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, let's assume they know that too. But I, I, I think that's that's pretty much yeah. it. We provide support and guidance for people that want to get a job in the games games industry. Um, and we we do that at the, the moment where they need that support and help yeah. most. That's what we try and do. Right time, brilliant. And going back to your formative years, so when you were growing up in uh, in London, what did you want to be? What was the career aspiration before you started helping people and doing all the great work that you've done today? Uh, so I think my first, the first thing I wanted to be was a fireman, and then I wanted to be a. When I grew up older, I wanted to be a genetic engineer for a while. Um, I didn't really know what that meant. I just loved, I was a big okay. sci-fi fan. Yeah, usually so, a genetic engineer in the, you know, or, or in I, just, I just loved the idea of being a genetic engineer. Yeah. And kind of splicing yeah. White coat things and, together yeah. and creating things. Yeah. I, I like that idea. And then I, I think the, I think the actual kind of high level science that's needed to do that. And the fact that I couldn't kind of just bond various kind of creatures Four together and... in kind of nightmarish experiments <laughs> wasn't, wasn't quite, <laughs> quite, it didn't quite fit with where I wanted to go. So, so I, um, so I didn't do that. Um, and then I wanted to be a, uh, music producer for a while. So I did, this was later stage. So I did, um, so actually before that I, I went to, went to university, wasn't too short to study. So I studied anthropology and politics, um, and, and lasted about a term and a half, um, because it was absolutely not what I wanted to study, but I didn't know what to right. do. Like I, I literally, I got, I think I got out, got out of, um, doing my A-levels and I scraped through those and, um, uh, you know, and then managed to get a space at, at Sussex university, which is, you know, it's a good university. Um, but, um, but I just picked, just picked something because it just sounded cool. Like, and I remember just, you know, going, yeah, that sounds all right. Give that a go. You know, there was no sense of like what I was going to do, or there was no sense of career pathway. There was no sense of any of that at all. Like I wasn't given any of that kind of support, um, any kind of meaningful mm. support at, at school or, or college at all around that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know, I guess maybe a journalist I was thinking maybe at the time or some, yeah, something like that. Um, something like that. Yeah. But at, the, at that same time I was doing, um, uh, I was doing home music production. So I'd, I'd got a copy of uh, Reason, which was like a game making so yeah, uh, uh, music making tool um, back when I was like uh, like fifteen or something, and um, had and would just spend like any hour that I had free just like making music, making electronic music, and um, uh, I think when I dropped out of university, I ended up gravitating towards that because I'd started a club night in Brighton, so I'd um, I'd ended up working was working on the door to get a bit of extra cash. So I was okay. like a door boy, you know, cloak, cloakroom door boy for a while of this um, really seedy nightclub <laughs> in Brighton called the Ocean Rooms, which was, which was great, but was, you know, was Dirty. kind of the, the yeah. owner was like wore a big fur coat and was bald oh, and yeah, they gold all chains like and 
Yeah, the whole yeah, the whole was all very very kind of late nineties, early two thousands kind of club owner vibe, genetic engineers. Yeah, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I I think I'd I'd actually got I'd got there I'd got into that world because I actually got work experience at Mixmag when I was sixteen. I'd written to them and sent them a Mars bar in the post. And so wherever else had had work experience at like, you know, the local estate agents or something, they just randomly said yes to me. I have no idea why. But um, I went, you know, went went to Mixmag and did a did a, a fantastic week, got a piece in, in Mixmag. Mixmag, for anyone that doesn't know, because like it's not really a big magazine anymore, was like the kind of the Bible Huge for clubbing yeah. and, and, magazines and yeah, electronic music. It was absolutely mm-hmm. massive. Um, and um, yeah, I remember I remember going to their offices, actually, and on Oxford Street and you could kind of hear that boom. Boom, boom. And it was like it was like a kind of comedy version of what you, it was exactly what you expected in a in a comedy. It was like there was you know there was someone DJing yeah. all day in the office, you know, and there was foosball tables all around. When foosball tables were a kind of a mm. new thing that you'd have in offices, and like people were kind of rolling in, like clearly having not slept and doing all kinds of things in the toilet. It was exactly the way you'd imagine it. I, I don't think I imagine Mixback. I think still around, but I, I don't think the office is like yeah, that. Yeah, I doubt it. Right. It sounds very nineties, um, but um. Yeah, it was yeah, cool though. It really, it really got me. As a sixteen-year-old, I was like, "Wow, this is so amazing!" And um, so that's part of the reason, and the music production, part of the reason why I probably gravitated towards that yeah. space. Um, and um, yeah, and what was the question again? <laughs> right, you've actually answered both. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. What, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, but actually, the next question: Sorry. What is what made you choose the university you went to? Which you kind of answered with your uh, anthropology and politics degree that you were. Uh, you started not really knowing why you why you wanted to do it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, right. That's it. Yeah, so and I dro- yeah. I dropped out of that. So that so that's and then and went and studied music production for two years um, at a at an access okay. course. So there was those access courses. I, I think they still exist mm. a little bit. Maybe not so much anymore. But there was a there was a way of studying where you, you didn't necessarily need any grades or anything. You could you could just kind of get in there on on a bit of merit and and i you know i i had a levels i mean a lot of people that were studying yeah. didn't have that at all you know they had they had nothing um or they might have had a couple of gccs or something so that that for me was actually quite an interesting experience mm. in itself you know being part of a learning cohort of various different abilities that were all there for a shared love of music you know and making music um in various forms um so it was it was that was a, that was a really interesting part of it for me i mean the, the problem was i was a terrible producer so that was the underlying issue. I, I, I had a real lack of musical ability and um, I had all, had all the energy yeah. for it, but I, I just didn't, I wasn't very good, you know? And, um, and also I, I got so distracted with the, the event side and the kind of running that, running those and turning mm. that into a business that I, the, the kind of the actual production kind of fell to the side, which I'm a bit sad about actually, because it was really nice and fun to have that as a creative yeah. outlet. And um you know, I, I I made the events my creative outlet, but um, actually having something that was for me, you know, um, was really lovely. And so if I took away the kind of, I was a, you know, I, 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 you know, I thought I was a bad producer or the stuff, it wasn't really, it didn't really matter what I was mm-hmm. making. Like it was just an enjoyable time to yeah, just play around with some tools yeah. and just, yeah. And just see what sits and play around on the keyboard and, and have some time to myself. And, um, you know, I, I, I think I was viewing it too much of a kind of, this has to be commercially mm. viable, you know, and that was the really wrong way to look at, um, something that, like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of, that kind of faded away and then I, I ended up, 
um, yeah, working, working and running um, uh, lots of big events for, for, for a substantial time after That's that. That's quite a, quite a narrative arc that then, isn't it? From uh, wanting to be a fireman all the way through to <laughs> hanging <laughs> yeah. out at Mixmag and being yeah. a producer. And it's awesome. Yeah, I was putting out, putting out fires Always. though still, you know. In many ways same, you are the fireman that you thing, aspire right? to be, Declan. Absolutely, Excellent. yes. I love that. Yes. Good metaphor. <laughs> so um, your break in industry then. So when the, uh, this is an interesting one. What would, be, what would you consider to be the, uh, the moment where it almost set you on the path that led you to being you know, the, the co-founder of Intergames now, do you think? Um, well, we, I mean, it's kind of hard to really pick one moment really in, in terms of a, in terms of a career. Cause I mean, you're, you're just constantly learning things. Um, um, I mean, in, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of big breaks, I've never, I've never necessarily had, um, I, I, I guess, I guess I've, I've always started things myself, if you know what I mean? Like it's always... It's, you know, for, for better or for worse. Um, I've had lots of help along the way. Like that's mm-hmm. undeniable. Like I've, I've been yeah. supported at every step of the way by somebody um, in some shape or form um, who, who is, you know, I've either worked with or has believed in me or has given me some time or, or invested or whatever, whatever it was. There's always been these people around. You, ne- you never succeed on your own mm-hmm. really ever. Um always an amalgamation of lots of different people at lots of different points and 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 you know so i'm not, I'm not i don't think i could pick, pick a certain moment necessarily where 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 i would, would yeah. say that's my yeah. big break um it's just been a continuous journey of of not your you name know, this feels like a good yeah. thing to do right no i completely get you <laughs> you know this you it's know, funny so. one even as i was asking the question i was like i'm not sure this is the right question for declan having, having studied his <laughs> career path on linkedin um so I think that's fair. We'll, we'll, we'll let you off that for sure. I think it's been a, 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 a wonderful osmosis of um, squiggly lines. I think they've got you where to what you are today, Declan. Yeah, definitely. Um, or maybe the big break's yet to happen. This could be still part of your your process, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's it. In your future. Yeah, just starting out. <laughs> uh, I, I can check the maracas for you in the background. Don't worry. I'm... Thanks, um, man. So... Two questions here. We've got fav- favorite job. Uh, so we, we, when we speak to artists yeah. and game developers, we often think about shows, about films and games. Uh, but in sure. this context, it would probably be more kind of your favorite project or your favorite role. So, yeah, what would your favorite gig be yeah. to date, Declan? Um, I think. I think. I mean, there's, there's, there's put it into games in terms of in terms of the, the stuff that we do. Um, I'd probably say our our upcoming after school clubs. That's just been so joyous to see, you know, young people of that age, you know, getting to grips with um, understanding careers in the game sector and, and being and building their own games and that kind of stuff. But I'd say probably my my favorite favorite time was um, the first year I ran a live music festival. Nice. That was that was really special. Um, equally the worst. Ah, well, that's my next question. <laughs> as well, I would probably, I'd probably say, uh, no, the worst was a few years later. Same okay. thing though. But um, that first year that we ran uh, a live, uh, you know, a big outdoor festival and had, you know, you know, with, with security and with, you know, multiple stages and three days camping, you know, people getting buses in and, you know, all, all that kind of thing. So, um, that was just, I, I, I'll never forget the feeling of walking through that festival yeah. site 
and just seeing all this stuff happen, you know, seeing circus performers and, you know, three live music stages and just, you know, thousands of people having a brilliant time. And, and um, it was just magical. You know, it was really, really lovely for a brief moment between yeah, chaos in terms of either side. You know, there was an eye of the storm that was just, oh, oh it's just so, so amazing. And I remember, yeah, being my partner at the time and um, she uh, she was a, a, a set maker. She was a set dresser and she'd done loads of the, the kind of big set work on the festival site. And um, you know, kind of walking through that festival site, kind of arm nice. in arm, you know, oh. That was a really, really, really wonderful experience, um, and uh, I'll, I'll never, never forget that. So that was that was the, that was the one of the best things. That, mo- that perfect moment, like distilled down. Absolutely, that. yeah. That's that's it. And yeah. I'm, I'm interested yeah. to hear more about the after school club as well. Yeah, that's like a big, a big turning point for in, into games. I mean, what's what's the format of a typical after school club? And when people sign up for it, who are listening or are interested, you know, what's the what can they expect? Sure. It sounds wonderful. Um, so. So the art school clubs are these. Are, these are interesting because they're actually, um, and maybe actually probably for a lot of the listeners um, that are on here, they're they're run by second and third year um, university and college Amazing. students who are studying games, um, or maybe studying animation mm-hmm. or VFX, or you know, the, the, who, who probably often have a games module yeah, anyway yeah. these days. Um, you know, a lot of the time. So um, they're they're we 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 train those guys up. They go into um, uh, the secondary school um, and it's six sessions over a term. So six weeks, um, once a week. Um, And through that process, there's two industry professionals that come in to support the club. So one at the start that talks about the kind of production process and their own career journey to kind of help inspire these young people. And then one person at the end to look at the the products that have been created by those young people throughout that six week period. Um, and the, the, the product is a, an entry to the um, uh, BAFTA Young Game Designer, um, a concept entry for, for, kind of t- for, for 10 to 14 year olds. It's, that's the entry into that competition. Um, and in addition to that, we put um, a game making tool called, well, Game Maker, onto um, the uh, school's PCs. So 30 PCs for free. Um, and then we give um, the, the usually the IT teacher, but as many teachers that want to do it in the school. So I'm I'm happy if an art teacher wants to do it as well, but we give them um, a day's worth of CPD on, on using that game making tool. Um, So there's some legacy around this as well. So it's not just like we go in and do this session and and we go, there's like, you know, there's a game making tool on those computers, there's teachers that can use it. And then the the students can go in at lunch times or after school and, and just start building games. And I think that's going to be the interesting part Mm -hmm. afterwards like you can only do so much in six weeks, you know. Um, but during that six-week period, they would have met an industry professional. They would have created some game concepts, um, and they would have understood the different career pathways that are, in, that are into the sector. And I'll tell you what, like when I was a year seven, been enough. That, like, yeah, that was, we weren't yeah. getting that, you know. Um, so you know, we've we've got a lot a lot to do around that. But as a package, we think it's really really solid. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and I think just just having that impact at, in education, I think, is the is the, is the secret source secret source special source anyway it's the it's the it's the, it's the good stuff Absolutely. getting into education actually having a real impact at, at, at that with that age group like you say nothing existed back in the day like this i mean it's just so good yeah. just to have that line of sight to what Absolutely, you could yeah. do and achieve with the right amount of support is incredible amazing i'm sure we'll come back to that um but i'm going to talk a bit about um well I, I, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you what your worst job has been or at least your uh, well, most challenging, actually. I, I corrected this when we started season two. 
because uh, we don't like to be too oh, negative on man. the Sphere Effects podcast. Oh Biggest chunk. God, we did a we did same. Th- I mean, you know, a, a, same same thing really. It was the the fourth festival we did that was mm. our festival, and um, uh, it was the rainiest summer on record. I think I think that summer. If you go, if you, this was this yeah. was a long time ago, but I think it was it was one of the rainiest summers that we've ever had. Um, uh, and in these times of heat yeah, waves, and it's ridiculous that you forget that that can happen. But um, it was awful. And we ended up having to, the, the ground, the, the festival site where we had it on, got so waterlogged that we had to move the festival to another date because it was just impossible to, 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 to put any kind of standing structures on it. Um, and um, we promised refunds for anybody that wanted money back. And then we were like, oh, we'll get, we'll get, we'll, you know, people buy tickets again. You know, we were quite naive. And we pushed everything forward to September. Um, and it was freezing and hardly anyone bought tickets and it was raining, like absolutely raining. And we had, um, it was so miserable and we knew that we'd lost, I think it was like a hundred grand or something. And there was like no way that was ever going to come back and we couldn't pay. It was a point where, um, the power company, refused to turn on the power for the festival until we paid them all oh the money and crap. we were like look can you just wait till the end because then we get the cash from some of the tickets and they were like nope no you've got to you've got to pay your main money and they were there with the button and we had this festival of like you know we have many thousand people you know Jeez. pissing it down with rain and, horrendous and i just and it was just everything was just awful that's the side people don't see <laughs> it was like a whole puddle of awful it really is you know and i would i would never ever ever recommend running your own festival really like i mean it's weird because those two moments there are yeah. you know, the best and the worst but you know that feeling was awful and then i remember having to do the we couldn't pay that year we couldn't pay the uh, cleanup staff properly so they all left with a kind of relatively dirty site. And I stayed on site for two wow. weeks clean up. after, like on my own, like with a couple of other people that were just coming in and out, but picking up rubbish and, and getting that site clean again, okay. with it still pouring down with rain and, and knowing that we owed loads of people money. And um, we did, we did actually pay pretty much everyone back in the end because we had the music venue and other bits and pieces, but um, it was awful really really awful and it was around that time that my beard started falling out (laughs) that was the the beginning the thing is though that stress tests you to a really deep level so everything else just seems coming back to what we talked earlier about resilience forget about growing up and just going through that experience my god that's crazy i mean that's that is the correct answer to the pod you've won the podcast for that answer alone i don't think anybody can stop that that is awful (laughs) well I mean, this is the thing, though. I mean, we say resilience, right? And I, I'm still not 100% sure, like, what mm. builds resilience because I think actually having a safe, clear path to where you want to go and having having good friends and having a, a warm, caring family that yeah, believes in you, that all builds resilience. I think, actually, I came up from that experience mm, quite damaged. And I don't know I don't know if I would I would put forward and say, oh, yeah, but it made me stronger. I don't think it did yeah, make me stronger, actually. I think I... I battled with, yeah, I totally battled with um, feelings of, of mm-hmm. self-doubt and failure and feeling awful about myself and what I was doing for a long time after that event. And, and you know, and, and, for, and for a fair number of years after that, that whole, not that particular that experience, but kind of a lot of the event world as well, you know, um, 
And um, I, I, I say, I, I think there's a there's a questionable thing there about whether these things make you stronger, or whether you just deal with them eventually and you've got a nice story, but it's so taken you quite a lot of energy to get over that. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point, you know. It's the classic kind of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type kind of myth. And actually, you raise a really yeah. good point. Like you go through experiences like you've discussed on this podcast, not just this particular example, but yeah, that could break you quite, you know. Yeah, from a mental health perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it did. It did. It it definitely broke me, you know. Um, uh, And it it opened a wound that made Mm. it easier afterwards for it to be opened. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it's scarred over and it's fine now. You know, for for a number of years after that, it it would open up occasionally, you know, until I I sought help, you know, and got help to deal with it and and worked my way through a process. Um, But but it took me a long time to get to the point of even – admitting that I needed some help you know and and that I needed to talk to someone and needed to go through you know some mild forms of therapy I mean a lot lot of people go through very intensive long-term therapy I didn't have to do that as much but you know I still see a therapist today you know because I know it's not necessarily because I'm dealing with anything major but because I need that space to be able to 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 you know cognitively work through things you know to be able to talk out loud to somebody else um, and often, most of the time, come to the conclusion myself anyway. But just that person's there for me, for me to be able to, you know, pitch that thing about why I got angry then, or you know, why I feel like this about a certain thing. And um, you know, I, I would, I would, you know, absolutely recommend anyone to go through that kind of thing. And to spend, you know, I keep on answering questions that are coming <laughs> up. Great job, advice <laughs> and things for myself. So I'll, I'll just, I'll no. stop. But um, you know, I, I, I would, I would really recommend that that kind of process of yeah, self-love I can honestly thank yeah. you for sharing that and actually it takes me back to one of our early season two podcasts with uh jasmine katatakan who's a creative uh, creative coach and she speaks to a lot of artists who burn out on some pretty he- heavy duty shows who never return to industry some of them they go you know, because the industry is not perfect right the fish face animation games there's a lot to we, we've got another question later to address that but yeah yeah you don't always rise like a phoenix after a horrendous experience and I think it's uh, it's really important to make, uh, to have that discussion on the pod. So yeah, thank you again, Declan. So I'm sure we'll return to that, but we're about to get into a bit of a geeky section. We're going to talk about gaming and the games industry. And there are four questions, kind of quick fire questions. So the first one is, do you have a kind of games industry hero first? Who's your games <sighs> industry hero? No, you've do been in the game for a while. Hero. No pun intended. Oh man! I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of like brilliant people doing amazing work in the game sector, yeah. you know. Um, and I mean, first I'll a big shout out to the the woman who kind of co-founded Into Games, so Kirsty mm-hmm. Rigdon, yes, um, is amazing. Um, and um, and you know, very deservedly, their studio now has one of the world's best-selling games attached to really? it. So um, I'll, I'll do a quick plug for Power hey. Wash Simulator. No, have why that? have I not heard it's that? Very good. Like, it's very good. It's exactly what it's hard. It's amazing. Simulator. It's an amazing game, and it's Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. It's, it's been in Steam's kind of top ten now for the last like two months. It's crazy. Oh, I'm but, doing but, on the way anyway, Kirsty Rigdon totally, totally believed in. Um, well, opened my eyes up to the the issues that were in the game sector and and um, what needed to be done about it. So you know, she awesome. was, she was a big big believer in this whole process. Um, uh, Shanila Saeed, um, who's the head of education for Yuki, she's um, a massive inspiration with the Digital Schoolhouse program that they run. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, oh God, I could just reel off a whole bunch of names, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't got any like game-making no, heroes. That's cool. You know, I should probably have more of those. I mean, this, this is the thing. I've, I've come in, I guess, from into the sector from like a, a kind of careers and yeah. skills background rather than a gamer background. So I haven't, like the whole, t- our team would be able to answer that question sure. like that with a million fantastic the answers. you given um, are heroes. They're, they're games industry heroes. Oh, they don't have to yeah. be... be you know, yeah, studio heads and, you know, old school kind of classic kind of games creators. They can be people who work in the industry. So I think that's absolutely a correct answer to the question, Declan. So smashed it, smashed it. Um, (laughs) What's the best piece of, uh, yeah, best game or or scene in a game or best shot you've seen in a game before? Am I getting too granular? This is the one note I did make. No, this is the one note I did make. And I was just going to say Jurassic Park. That's all I was going to say yeah. in terms of VFX scene. And I, I, I still, in my mind, it hasn't been beaten in terms of the wonder it gave me yeah. when I watched that in the still cinema. And the the kind of, the the, the, the way that the, um, uh, the computer graphics and the puppetry work perfectly together to create a sense of something that's there. Like, I, I, it's weird that that hasn't been done almost as well since then, in my eyes, in terms, in terms of modern films. Like, it's always very much that's definitely VFX. Yeah you know um a lot of the time but like this that film just because it was so in the early days like, they just nailed it it's the theater of it, and that's it? that for me it's is the theater you know, of it with the oh yeah because if you yeah. really analyze the visual effects in jurassic park oh, clearly it's not as good as the last jurassic world movie oh but yeah when the whole build up yeah. to it the bit when kind of sam neill kind of just almost cradles his glasses off his you know the what that look of wonder on his face when he sees him the first time the yeah. t-rex stuff the yeah garb, the cup of water with the ripples the whole thing the theater oh of it's yeah the shot of it's crazy the shot of the whole of yeah. jurassic you know the whole of the park with all the different dinosaurs there and it's it, it, it like you, you get the wonder mm. and awe you know and i feel like that was one of the first times that i got the yeah. wonder and awe and ever you know because it was been you know there was the wonder and awe is hard to get yeah. again you know, um, and and that managed to get it for me. And, you know, it's old school, but I, I just, you know, for me, it, it, even if I watch it today, yeah. I still get a little tinkle of like, oh, you know. And then and even, you know, the, the raptor scenes in the kitchen, God, like, oof, you know, it's, yeah. you, get, you get the weight of everything. You feel like it's there. It's like nothing, It's horror movie. Nothing, it's horror, it's it's horror horrible. Horrible. Yeah, you feel the... Absolutely, it's it's awesome. So so good. So yeah, I'd say great that's answer. Me. Great answer. <laughs> what about a uh, a show? And again, this can be VFX animation or games that you consider to be, and it could be Jurassic Park Park again. But what you consider to be a pinnacle of the art form? What do you think would be a masterclass in games animation um, or VFX? So I'm so my era was N sixty four. Nice. So that was when Respect. that's when I came into that's you know I, I mean I had I had a I had a I had a NES. Um, you know, but um, I skipped the Super NES, which was a big, big mistake, big, big issue. I, I got, I made a big. That was that. That was probably the the low point of my, gaming my fail. games career. Really, I, that was it, big time. I I remember my mum took me to um, uh, a game show. I can't remember it was in Earl's Court or something, and she had a big surprise for me. She was like, "I get you can you can get a game system from this game show." which was amazing. I was like, oh my God, like I've got, you know, I, I, I can pick the latest systems. PlayStation, I think had just come out pretty much or it was being shown there at the game show. And I picked something called the Philips CDI. Um, yeah. Now you probably no, won't have heard of the Philips CDI. A first for me. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of YouTube videos on it now that talk about it as the worst game system ever created, and I can completely back that up. It was it was one of the first CD based game systems along with the PlayStation, but like did it completely wrong. Uh, the controller was awful. The games were the worst games imaginable. Um, the whole thing was a complete disaster, and I, I went straight to like an Amiga or oh, something Amiga. after that. So I, I missed out on yeah. the SNES time. But then I was like, I was a full like uh, kind of proper teenager sitting around with mates playing the N sixty four. That was the that was it, and Mario Kart on the N sixty four. But I would probably say, so I'd take my kind of kind of a, a, a little bit higher self would probably say uh, 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 Legend of Zelda: okay. Ocarina of Time. Is just a masterpiece oh, yeah. of a game, but it's, it's GoldenEye. That is Goldeneye. A classic, absolutely GoldenEye. That's the most fun I've ever had playing a video game with friends. And I've, n- I've never played before. GoldenEye, and it's one of my biggest gaming fails. Is I've played a lot of video games over there the years go. and played, worked my way through the Playstations. I never played GoldenEye, and it's a <laughs> big regret because it's in every top five of all well, time. Absolutely, you know, and if you if you play it now, you'll be like, this exactly. is pretty you rubbish. Need to have been there. So you've missed out on really uh, enjoying it. You're either there or you were. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a game with, it was the first, I'd done some online gaming before then, played a lot mm-hmm. of StarCraft, um, but I'd say uh, it was the first, like, party game yeah. for me, you know, when you've got, you got your split yeah. screen, four yeah. mates, um, and, you're, and, you're, and you're just, like, you're just really in that game. So it was, it's a lot of fun and joy for me as well so, so that's that yeah, for cool. me is, is that. yeah one of the strong best. strong answer yeah. again this with the uh, walkers episode so many great games i'm in danger of going down another rabbit hole talking about all kinds of classics um, that i used to play but i'm not the guest on this podcast so i need to step up, walk away from the gaming conversation simon <laughs> and lean into the next question in the vault which is best character design what's the yeah. best character realized for you? um i i was uh i was a massive fan of hr geiger so yeah. alien why are you dropping yeah. some classics in the geeky section, Dick? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm full of the classics, really. But yeah, I mean, I was a, I was a big fan of Geiger. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, I did art A level, so all of my, all my kind of art A level was yeah. inspired by Geiger. So I just, I just loved it. Um, and loved, loved his work. Um, and yeah, and, and Alien is, is, I mean, I, I you know, it, it, for me, is the, the best monster design ever, yeah. really. Um, so yeah, creepiest, most. Yeah, terrifying thing going. Um, so yeah, that's and this, me. Uh, this podcast should come out around Halloween too. So this is a very pertinent example you've just given, Declan. Thank you. <laughs> one of the scariest movies going that first one, absolutely. Again, horror movie tropes all the way, science fiction horror. So that brings us to the end of our geeky section. Now we're going to get into the advice section. This is when we get into the real meat, the core of the podcast. And the first part of that kind of section is the best piece of advice that you've ever received. Um, yeah, ask stupid questions. Yeah. You know, ask, ask questions always constantly. Don't ever feel like you have a, don't ever, don't ever worry about whether it's stupid or not. So, you know, if you don't know it, ask it, um, never assume anything, um, simple as, and that will serve you very, very well. Gave you that advice or is that something that just stuck with you at some point in your career? Um, I think it's just I, I, somebody has given me that advice, but I'm not sure yeah. exactly who it was. Now I haven't. I, I can't point to like a, a, an amazingly enlightened mentor. Unfortunately, it's it's something that people have have told me, and I've just learned by practice. Really, that's that's like the biggest. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, if you can if you can do that and be kind of, you know, g- genuinely open in your curiosity yeah. um, around these things, then you know you'll succeed that's at anything. True. Nothing will nothing will stand in your way. 
you know, because you'll always be able to you know, ask questions honestly and openly and receive those answers and, 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 you know, and do the job. That's what we said about always coming from a place of curiosity and not pretending to know everything about everything. You know, nobody does. Right. So it's all about, you know, harnessing that. That's great advice, which leads us neatly into the imposter syndrome question. We touched on this a bit at the start of the episode, but have you ever felt out of your depth or that you're faking it till you make? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every day. I can't imagine anyone says anything. Be surprised. Most podcast, people, really, I would say, really? nine oh. people can do their own research through the podcast. But I would say ninety nine percent of the episodes in season two so far, where we've been asked this question, everybody says absolutely all the time without fail. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the. I think I think if you switch it, switch it on its head a little bit, and and be like, that's yeah. where the fun is. Exactly. You know, like why wouldn't you want to be out of your depth? Yeah. Yeah, you should always be putting yourself out of depth. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, you should always be out of depth, out of depth, right? Otherwise, you you won't learn to swim properly, right? So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, you know, and, and actually being down at the end, that end of the pool, I don't know. Where I'm going, I'm going to go. I love this metaphor. metaphor. There's lots of swimming possible, metaphors. But, you know, I, right now. that's where the fun is, anyway. You know, that's where the parties happen. That's where the older kids yeah, are. That's where the diving board the is. Thrown around water slides. Yeah, it's diving yeah. boards. Yeah, oh, exactly. deep that's end where the cool stuff is. Yeah. You know, yeah, deep end's cool. You know, so I, I think that. You know the the, the shallows are, are fine for taking a relax, but I, I don't think I've ever known anything different. So um, I'm equally probably not the best person to answer that question because I've always been in the deep end because I've always been dropped into sectors I didn't know, or, you know, or, or roles that weren't going on. So you know, but like I, I I'd say you know yeah I'd, I'd say calm down. Yeah. It's good. Water's fun. Get comfortable Water's with being fine. uncomfortable. It's warm down here. I hear that. Yeah, I hear totally. that. Thank you. Right, uh, movie reference, going back in time, uh, de- getting the DeLorean. I hope everybody still gets the DeLorean reference. They should do, or they, they're, they're not, not cinematically literate if they don't understand the reference. Getting the DeLorean, go back in time, and you meet your teenage self. What advice are you going to give teenage Declan Cassidy? Um, other than to probably stop smoking weed. <laughs> yeah. wasn't a great idea. Drugs are bad. Probably should have stopped that, stopped that a bit earlier. Um, I would, um, I'd say love yourself, man. You know, um, it's, uh, it's sp- spend some more time yeah. loving who you are and, and less time worrying about the way that you look to other people or the way that yeah. you acted in front of other people, you know? And um, I think that that was un- underlyingly the, the, the main thing really to just love and, and, and care for yourself and, and you're number one, yeah. you know, um, and you should always, deeply care about who you are and, and that for me is something that um yeah i wish i wish i'd, I'd known earlier yeah yeah that sounds familiar something i'd probably do this do exactly with teenage simon i'd, I'd probably go back much further back in time though to meet my teenage self because i'm much more older than you declan i'm a, an ancient man now <laughs> a lot of great hairs going on here um right oh, no, I'm <laughs> oh yeah we might be i don't know salt and pepper here yeah it's a strong strong look esteemed so uh what similar question but what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out what do you think wish you had knowledge of um i think i'd wish i wish i'd known that um every you know that there isn't i mean there is of course there is such a thing as a professional but like that the idea of the professional wasn't something you just suddenly were one day you know that it was a graduated process yeah. that even people that I would consider professionals didn't think they were professionals or like were still on a learning mm. pathway, you know, that 
I think I think I'd, I think I'd wish I'd known that. I'd also wish I'd known that like most organisations, no matter how professional they seem on the outside, are kind of a bit of a mess on the inside. Yeah. Um, and that I should, you know, you shouldn't ever kind of venerate something that size or be intimidated by it. That, maybe that's what I'm saying. You shouldn't really, you shouldn't feel like it's not for you because it's this yeah. big, you know, professional, you know, kind of shiny thing that um, you as a kind of little green kind of messy individual aren't suitable yeah. for because actually when you peel back the layers of these things they are messes internally agree you know you. um they're 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 chaotic things based with you know with lots of people in messy positions you have things going on in their life and problems they have to deal with at work and and somehow it's remarkable how these things actually mm. even happen a lot of the time you know but um I, you know just just looking at the kind of product isn't yeah. what it is. That's why marketing teams exist, you know? isn't it? Um, when you think about it, it's there, there to yeah. <laughs> put, out, put out the shiny veneer of what a company is, especially big brand companies like yeah. games companies, like VFX yeah. companies, film companies. And they're all dysfunctional families deep down, right? <laughs> yeah, Not mentioning any names, but totally, totally. You know, and, and the bigger the company, usually the exactly. more dysfunctional. You know, and that's when, a great when you go insight. when you go to a certain size. I think our listeners will, will value that massively, Declan. Thank you. Um, right, we're getting into the last, the big three now. I always call it the big three, uh, the killer questions we save till the end. What would you change about the games industry? Um, I wish it would take more risks when it comes to kind of you know um, uh, hiring young people. I wish that it would invest in itself when it comes to careers and yeah. skills. Um, I, I, I don't think it does. I think, I think, it, I think, it give, you know, it's some big studios give us cash to do what we do. I'm not saying that, but I think in, in a kind of a long, longer term, you know, kind of mindset around it rather than here's some money for this program. It's like, no, you know, what can we do over the next 10 years to build a solid accessible pipeline? Um, and I think that kind of conversation often doesn't happen because, uh, the, the, the studios are so gated, yeah. you know? Um, and, um, and I, I wish they would work together more to make these things happen. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's, those are the kind of main things I'd change, you yeah. know, so um, uh, invest in the in studios, the industry investing in itself when it comes to careers and skills um, and, and becoming much more open and transparent um, in terms of uh, what they want, what they need and, and who yeah. they need and who they want. Cause I think for such a long time, everyone, they're all just battling for the same talent. You know, um, and they're already secret because they're working on secret projects, and this just creates a, a kind of a h- very hard atmosphere to to kind of work together to improve the pipeline for everybody. So, you know, I, I would I would try and change that atmosphere. Oh, I could do definitely, anything. I mean, there's something Dell spoke uh, to a little bit was around um, not enough uh, entry level opportunities, um, and uh, I mean, I'm not speaking for lots of games companies, but they they like to have the full package, experienced yeah. hires. Um, rather than taking a, a risk on somebody who's brand new to industry. Yeah, com- completely. You know, and you, you, there's, there's always stories that, you know, that you'll see on LinkedIn every day of, 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 of kind of job posts where it's like, you know, junior, whatever role, yeah. you know, must have four <laughs> okay. years of experience, <laughs> you know, and you, and you see that all the time in, in the game yeah. sector, you know, it's a really regular thing, but um, yeah. it's less and less. You know, I think I think we're actually in the really beginning of a really really good place for um, for the game sector. Um, uh, I mean, there's lots and lots of work to do, and it's definitely mm-hmm. the beginning. But um, I think there is a real shift. <clears throat> sorry, in terms of 
in terms of how it sees uh, how it wants to support yeah. younger talent um, and, um, and and bring more fresh talent into the sector, mainly because it needs it now. You know, it's growing yeah. so quickly. You know, survive, it, it, needs it needs to start to, thinking yeah, about these things. Um, exactly. You know, um, so yeah. All right. Okay. <coughs> question nineteen: the industry advice question. One thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry. <coughs> One thing we could do. So this is so this is industry. to industry. Um, so it's kind of, it kind of relates to the previous question, really. You know, because it's about creating more opportunities and taking more risks. Um, and um, I think uh, one of the most successful things we ever did was um, there was a government program called Kickstart, which some listeners may remember, um, but was um, uh, essentially paid studios to take on someone for six months um so, so someone who was unemployed um and um when we were when we originally were given the task of running that for the game sector there was a lot of doubt over whether the sector would even you couldn't even pay people no. to take no. on people you know for the game sector and it wouldn't, it wouldn't get much of a take up um <clears throat> in the end we ended up getting we ended up placing 200 wow. people across the sector um so the the the, the the kind of the, the the willingness to take the risk once you'd removed the money issue was there. You know, they could yeah. do it. Uh, and a lot of those people are still in jobs or have and stayed in the game sector so and, and are flourishing, yeah. you know. It works. It totally works. And and the, a lot of the, the people stayed in the same role, you know. So, you know, just by giving them the opportunity, it was like that was enough, you know. And, and a lot of the fears around like, oh, Who's going to mentor them? Are they going to be good enough? You know, all, all these things that were there, the previously worries that still come up as worries for when, when we're trying to sell apprenticeships into into um, uh, into game yeah. studios um, disappeared when people just you know turned up and got on with the job. <laughs> did the work, which is what yeah. people do. Just, just did the work, you know, because that's just that's yeah, that's what happens, you know. And and I think a lot of the fears um, were unfounded um, because the, the the industry is highly risk averse. Yeah. So, you know, in, in terms of in terms of um, one thing we can do, it, it, we have to create more yeah. opportunities. Right. So and those opportunities don't need to be full time jobs necessarily. They could be six month mm. internships or, you know, they, they could be you know really solid work yeah. experience yeah. for a couple of months. Could, whatever it is, some method of creating or giving people experience and making those opportunities, you know, open yeah. to anyone, you know, um, whatever pathway you've gone based on you know, based on, on talent and also, you know, their enthusiasm for that, for that role. So opening up those roles and, and being a bit more creative in terms of how they offer um, accessible opportunities, you know, it doesn't need to be the full-time role. I mean, that's great if that's there, but I would, I, you know, my hunch is that as soon as you start opening up those smaller, inclusive, um, accessible opportunities, everything else becomes yeah. easier as well. You'll find those accessible roles um, and everything else. So, so I think that's, I'd like to see studios yeah. do more of that if possible. And there's some really great examples of studios mm -hmm. that have done that. Um, the, the Chinese rooms, a great example of that. They've got a fantastic um, open internship program. Um, anyone can apply. You don't have to have any games experience or whatever. Um, they've had four people go through that so far and they've all stayed on or been snapped up by the studios. And a lot of those people that started that haven't had anything to do with games, talking about yeah, single yeah. mums. You hear about all the time, don't you? You know, going through a process and just being fantastic because, you know, as I say, people to get on with the job when they're in it, if they're, if they're those kind of people. Um, so, you know, I, I would say more opportunities like that. Um, it's our job as Intergames yeah. to showcase that to other studios and to show them that it's possible. So, you know, we're, we're not, 
out of this. Like we need to do more around that ourselves. But um, that's what I would suggest. And apprenticeships have been proven to be super successful for that reason. I mean, incredible. Yeah, they were, well, VFX, yeah. you've nailed it. Like the VFX sector is like, it's literally light years ahead of the game sector when it's come to apprenticeships, you know, um, and you, you, you've proved it, proven it works. You know, it's all the problems that the game sector talks about, you guys got over and realized that it didn't, they didn't, it, they weren't yeah. problems at all, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's I actually, I point to the VFX sector all the time when I'm talking about apprenticeships um, for, for, for the game sector and how it just yeah. works. Like there's, it's not, there's a model, the model's yeah, done, like just get on with it, you know, but it, but it, you'd be surprised at how remarkably hard the conversation is. Even when you're like, look, here's the solution. We've done it. We've got a training yeah. provider. We've got a standard. You've been talking about this for ages. Now's the time. It's to, here now. Yeah. And, and even then it's like, oh yeah, maybe we'll do it on the next cohort or maybe we'll do it on the next round. It's like, guys, yeah. You know, it's, it's here and, and um, that's a bit frustrating. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd kind of pile that into providing more accessible opportunities, certainly. So, yeah. you know, working around apprenticeships, doing that kind of work. Yeah, so thank you, Declan. Right. Big drum rolls. Final question. Going for the big finish. It's the career advice yeah. question. So we've heard about the advice uh, you'd give your teenage self or the advice you've received. But what's your golden nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the games industry? or the industry in general, what's it going to be? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, you know, we talked about it before, but cultivating that love of learning is just so important. Um, you know, like getting, getting past perfect, not worrying about perfection at all and just cultivating the love yeah. of learning, just, just making things, yeah. you know, making things that you like, little tiny mm-hmm. things you know, and just doing it all the time and not worrying about whether it's going to be successful or, you know, I go back to my music producer thing, like, you know, not worrying about if it was going to be successful, just doing it because you like it and you just want to make something yeah. cool, you know, and just doing that again and again and again and again and again and, and doing it all for yourself, yeah. really, you know, not even worrying about the job so much, you know, just do that constantly. Um, and, and, and that will come across in every interview you do. You know, that will, that, that's the thing that that's the spark they're looking yeah. for. You know, they're looking for self-starters who want to learn and, are, are, you know, and, and, and love doing that little thing, whatever it is, you know. Um, and then once you, once you're in that space, giving back to others as much as possible, yeah. you know, um, being forum moderators or, or like, or, in, and enjoying that process as well, you know, enjoying sharing your knowledge. Mm. There's little stuff that you've learned along the way. So, you know, I know that's, these are no small things, you know, and that's not a, it's not like a kind of, I can't point to like, oh, do your CV yeah, like this? Course, or, yeah. you know, you should, you should do this or should do that. But like, I, I would say as a kind of core skill, um, you know, that's, that, that, that's relevant across every discipline. It's that cultivation of, of, of learning. That's great. And that love of learning. So the cultivation of and love that, of learning. that applies to every walk of life and every stage in your career, doesn't it? I mean, that having that at your core. Absolutely. You know, it makes Absolutely. you more authentic. It makes you more interesting. That's why, it's, yeah, that's why there's nothing totally. wrong with looking at all the shiny things. Looking at all the shiny things. What is that? What's that? No, What's no, that? no. What does that do? Absolutely. And still having that yeah. child. Like, yeah. Go down the yeah. deep end. Go and check it out. Get you know? to your local um, pool. And, you know, don't worry. <laughs> if you can't swim, go back to the other end for a bit. You know, have, have a little, a little paddle in the baby pool. There's there a bit, and, you know, yeah, strangely warm. Little paddle in the baby, yeah. It's a bit too, a bit, <laughs> yeah. a bit of ammonia yeah. going on in there. Get in the big pool. Yeah, what, absolutely. You yeah, or just dive in yeah. the bit. I mean, yeah, yeah watch yeah, out for the lifeguard. They might yeah. tell you off, but, you know, who cares? 
oh man, I could do a podcast based on this alone. This metaphor could go on for a while. There you go. There you go. So we, we've got we've got over the uh, the hour. It doesn't matter. It was worth every every vowel and um, every syllable, mate. Honestly, that was great. Thank you, Declan. Is that well? First, I need to close the vault. So we're going to close the vault. The sound effect will key in, in, in any minute now. It's closed. It's locked for another two weeks. Um, Declan, is there anything you'd like to plug, shout out? Is anything coming down the pipe? I mean, we've, we've mentioned a number of your, your programs. What's, uh, what, how can people get involved with Intergames? What do they need to do if they go, I want in? I, I, I think just cut, join, join the Intergames Discord. It's probably the easiest thing to do. So that's just, um, and you can get, grab the link at intergames.org forward slash Discord and we'll just take you straight there. Um, and, um, you know, we host uh, kind of, you know, pretty much weekly panels design challenges we point to all of our program work on there when we run it it's a really lovely community um got about seven eight thousand uk career seekers on there always talking always popping stuff around in different disciplines and all kinds of different stuff so yeah just get on there and and say hello join the community amazing well we're going to leave it there i'm I'm desperate to find another swimming metaphor but i'm not going to do it because that's a beautiful way to leave it (laughs) Um, and I'm notorious for not knowing how to end podcasts. So I'm just going to say, Declan Cassidy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for, for dropping all of those knowledge bombs on our listeners. Thank you so much, Simon. It's been, been really lovely. Thank you. Well, that was episode 25 of the Access VFX podcast. Intergames are such an incredible organisation. If you have even an inkling of interest in the games industry, please get involved at intergames.org. You won't regret it. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry and now Netflix-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, Europe, USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in visual effects, animation, or games. Please note that in Europe, you need to be aged 18 and over to participate in the program. The rest of the world, 13 and over. So please go to accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you, Declan, for being such a generous guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you on episode 26, where we will have another excellent guest lined up to brave the AVFX vault. See you then. There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening and until next time, bye.